Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Follow the leader. And uh, uh, we name it this because it's the really the the very core of what it means to be disciple. So the name of the series is Follow the Leader, a journey called discipleship. It's something we're going to be talking about a lot for a little while. We've created a, a new vision that we started at the beginning of this year called Connect, Grow, Go. And we're believing God to take that, put it in all of our hearts and do something significant. So I want you to join us in that. I'm going to teach you some things that you've probably known and I'm going to teach you some things that you probably haven't known. And we're going to have to really dig in and commit ourselves to the Lord because I believe what God is going to do is he's shifting some things in us so that we'll become everything he wants us to be. Amen. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20 in the NIV, it says this. Everyone read it with me. It should be up on the screen. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And today I want to talk to you around the subject, step up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. Read it with me. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them father we thank you for your word we thank you for how good you are to us we thank you for your sweet presence and spirit that is in this room right now and we ask you just to minister to every person lord we commit ourselves to you not just to receive from what you have to give but we commit to take what you have given and reproduce with it in Jesus' name. God, I pray that this word will take deep root in our heart. I pray that it will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I pray that you'll hide it in our heart that we might not sin against you. I pray that we will be cleansed and sanctified by your word today. And I pray that we'll grow and mature in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So the question is, what is discipleship? Now, I always when we have graduation celebrations, I always try to add a little bit into the message that would include uh, graduates because I, don't, I, want you to, I want you to feel a challenge and an inspiration from the Word of God. And honestly, there's just nothing I think could be more profound in your life to teach you what I'm going to teach today. So I want you to take it especially, and I want you to apply it to yourself in your place of life and realize that God wants to do this in you right now. And so the question then is, what is discipleship? What is it? What does it mean to be a disciple? And then further, we're going to ask the question, what does it mean to disciple someone else or to make disciples? So what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, I can tell you that I, I know what it means to be a disciple. But a lot of times we don't understand what it means to be a disciple. 
I think we've taught in church, and we're going to talk more about this later, but I think we've taught in church and in situations and circumstances like this, we've taught that uh, being a disciple is a program. Discipleship is a program. You go to a class, you learn certain spiritual disciplines, and then now you're a disciple. Or we, we teach that discipleship is conversion. Well, you give your life to Jesus, you start learning uh, uh things about Jesus, and then you are a disciple. And we have mischaracterized what it really means to be a disciple. We've mischaracterized it. We've, we've, we've made it to be something that it's not. We've made it to be a, a moment in time, an event in our lives, but we have missed that it is a lifestyle, that discipleship is a lifestyle. Now, let me also clarify that being a Christian and being a disciple are not two different things. I think we've all, all believed that being a Christian means I've given my life to Jesus and I'm going to heaven. But being a disciple means I'm really, really committed and serious and I'm probably in occupational ministry. And we think that's what discipleship is. I'm a Christian and so I'm in, but not, I'm not all there. I'm not that. I'm not radical. You know, I'm not really going to you know, commit myself to that level. Right? But discipleship means I'm going all the way there. Well, let me just clarify for you. There, there is no difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. Matter of fact, Jesus never called us Christians. I'm going to say that again. Jesus never, ever called us Christians. They didn't start calling people who followed Jesus Christians until Macedonia, and it wasn't a compliment. It was derogatory. They were calling them people who are trying to be like little Christs. And so it wasn't something that was nice. Jesus called people who followed him disciples. Because disciples are people who follow a teacher, a disciplined person who follows a teacher. It's a disciplined learner. It's a person who's committed not just to follow but to become, walk in the shoes of the one they are following. And that's what the Bible says our whole goal is once we give our life to the Lord is to be conformed into the image of the Son of God. So our whole walk with God is a journey from coming to follow Him, receiving Him in our life, being forgiven of our sins, and then walking out in the direction of his purpose, his destiny, not for us, but becoming like him. That's the whole goal. It's not, I'm going to do this certain thing with my life. No, it's becoming like him. That's the whole goal. Amen. And in that becoming like him, then he affects and influences and informs every aspect of my life. Now, when I was a young person, I was a disciple. I was not a disciple necessarily of Jesus. But I was a disciple of dancing. Dalton, don't get ahead of me. I was a disciple of dancing. I was also a disciple of drumming. I was also a disciple of other things that aren't appropriate to say in church. But why I say that is because what a disciple is is someone who lives a lifestyle that is centered around that thing which they follow. That's what a disciple is. So, so when you're immersed in a thing, you're a disciple of that thing. 
So when I was a young person, everything I did was about dancing. Everything I did was about dancing. Now, I know you look at me now. You say, that's a 54-year-old pastor up there. He ain't got no chops. And you'd probably be right because I'm fat now. And it's, it's okay. It doesn't look the same. But the truth is, the truth is, listen, I thought about dance every moment of my life. When I got up in the morning, I was thinking about routines. I watched every video I could watch to see what moves they were doing. This is back when breakdancing was real and not weird like it is today. But anyway, uh, it was when hip-hop was actually cool and not stupid like it is. Anyway, I'm just I'm getting stuck in the 80s. I'm sorry. But the truth is, I just knew everything. I knew everyone who was dancing. I knew every movie that was about dancing. I knew every move that was about dancing. We went to dances every Friday night. And we would get in a circle, man, certain songs would come on, a circle would form, and then I would just get in there and just dance. And that's why I'm 54 and I can still dance. Okay, so now don't get carried away. Now, now that little move right there, why can I do that at 54? I'm trying to teach my grandkids how to do this. It is funny to watch. Because I spent so much time and effort and energy thinking and processing. I can get right back there on those drums. I haven't played the drums in forever with a group. I haven't practiced a lot. I come up every once in a while, hit it a few times, but I don't even, I don't, but I could sit down those drums right now and I could play. Why? Because when I was young, I just spent time, time playing, playing, studying about playing, thinking about playing, listening to people playing, being around people who were playing, playing myself, playing every opportunity I could get. And this is what a disciple does. And sometimes we understand this in physical realms, but we don't understand it in spiritual realms. We don't understand that that's what a disciple is. A disciple is a person who lives Jesus, thinks Jesus, walks with Jesus, talks with Jesus, acts like Jesus, is conformed into the image of Jesus. That's what a disciple is, a person who has committed their life. You may not know this, but when Jesus went and asked the disciples to follow him, isn't it interesting that they just followed I've always thought, wow, he must have been such a powerful person that he would just say, follow me, and they would drop everything and follow him. But you have to understand a little bit about the culture and what it meant to be called by a rabbi to come and follow. That was a privilege and an honor in their culture, and also because most of the times it happened at a much younger age. And so for these guys who weren't educated spiritually or educated religiously, to Jesus to come to them and ask them, come follow me, they had heard about him. They had had heard his words they had listened to what he said and they were like i'm dropping everything and i'm coming to fall i'm commit they committed their their next steps in their future to him they had businesses they were adults they had businesses they were young but they were already started in their life already started in their careers and they were willing to say i'm following you and we forget that that's the kind of commitment Jesus is asking for because what we've done is we've flipped the script on how Christianity works. And now Christianity is all about coming and asking Jesus to come into our life and bless what we do, bless where we go, bless what we have. Instead of saying, God, whatever you want for my life, I'm following you. I'm listening to you. I'm walking with you. I'm surrendered to you. If there's ever a conflict, is this me or it's God? I'm going with God. If there's ever a conflict, of friends or God, I'm going with God. If there's ever a conflict of career, God, I'm going with God. If there's ever a conflict of relationship or God, I'm going with God. It's always this commitment that is above and beyond that says, I will follow him. That is what discipleship is. So here at Summit Church, 
we're going to go through this journey of really, truly becoming disciples. Really, truly understanding what it means to follow Jesus. Really, truly understand what the process of making disciples looks like, and we're going to engage in it. Because this is where God is calling us to go. Our vision, our goal is connect, grow, go. And so connection is all about making connection, number one, with God. In other words, we don't believe in just being religious. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to just know about God. I want to know God personally. If there's an opportunity to know God personally, I want to know him. I want him to be my father and my friend. I want him to be my savior and my elder brother. I want his spirit to be my comforter and my guide. I want to have a relationship with him. I want him to lead me. I want him to guide me. I want him to direct me. I want him to be in charge. You know, we often say when we get saved or we give our life to Jesus, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Everybody say that with me, Lord and Savior. Everybody say it again, Lord and Savior. But it's funny how we remember the Savior part and we forget the Lord part. The Lord part means you're in charge. <laughs> and we're like, yes, you're in charge until you want to do something I really don't want to do. Or you're in charge until it's uncomfortable for me to do what you're saying I should do. Or you're in charge until it's a direction I think I need to go and you're not with me on it. You're in charge until. But there is no you're in charge until. If you served at a Lord's behest, it meant that what they said is what you did. And our relationship isn't one of law and legalisms. Our relationship is one of love and obedience. Amen? So we've all thought and we've all treated, and, and, and believe me, you know me, you know that I believe the gathering of believers is the most important thing. Jesus tells us to do it. It's not something of old. It's not something that's not important. I get on people all the time about you need to be in church. Why aren't you in church? You're wanting counseling. You're wanting help. If you'd come and sit in church and be around people who would edify you, if you'd listen to the messages, a lot of the problems in your life would go away. You'd grow out of them. You'd develop them. You're wanting somebody to give you some singular help when and you literally could be growing in your faith and getting beyond these problems if you just come to church. Everybody with me? I'm all about it. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we should gather together even the much more as we get closer to the coming of Christ. We should encourage. We should breathe life to one another. We should edify one another. We should do all of that. And it's important for us to do it, and we should not give it up, and we should not be inconsistent about it, and we should not be running from it, and we should not put other things before it. It's very important, not just because it's what we do socially, it's very important because what Jesus said to do. Everybody say amen. amen. If you don't know that, read your Bible, and you'll find out that's true. Now, I believe in all that, but here's the way we've treated it ministry-wise, that Sunday's the Super Bowl. Now, for you guys, it's, my mind just went to football. I'm not talking about football, okay? Come back. I'm not talking about sun, Super Bowls on Sunday. I'm talking about we treat church on Sunday like it's the Super Bowl. This is when everything happens. This is when we sing songs. This is when we hear the message. This is when we do all of this, and this is so important, and it's the Super Bowl. But the truth is, Sunday's not the Super Bowl. Sunday is the practice field. I'm going to say that again because only one person said amen. And I just want to know that you heard me. Sunday is not the Super Bowl. Sunday's not game day. Sunday's not game day. But that's when I worship. 
But that's not the only time you're supposed to be worshiping. Sunday's not, Sunday's not your spiritual day. I got to live the rest of my life, but then on the weekend I'll come and, and I'll do Sunday. I'll go to church, and that's, that's the game day. That's when everybody gets together. That's when it all happens. That's when it, No, no, no. No, no. Sunday's not game day. Sunday's practice day. Monday through Saturday are game days. See, because the Bible says that God gave the gift of the pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, apostle to the church for the equipping of the saints, that's y'all, to do the work of the ministry. So when we come together here, the first thing we come together for on the weekend is to celebrate what God has done. Because this week, God has done some things for each of us in some way or another. If, even if you can't say anything, but he woke me up this morning and started me on my way. I can tell you God is doing something good for me. I can tell you this week that I went up to the hospital where Madison and Zach and little baby Knox are. We've been praying and seeking God. It's a baby that's, that is born uh, uh, 27 weeks instead of... 40 weeks and it, 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 there are a lot of complications and a lot of problems and, 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 and we were hoping for just clear sailing but, but during the process the baby formed a couple of brain bleeds, one on the right and one on the left and they were deeply concerned and there was even one moment where it was like is this it, is this going to be it and people went to prayer so many people went to prayer and people in the hospital went to prayer and nurses went to prayer and I was just informed by the chaplain, the chaplain that is ministering to them in that hospital that not only did God move on behalf of baby Knox, but there were several miraculous things that happened with every baby in that NICU. It's amazing to see what God does. Now listen, so this week I went up and I talked to them and the doctors had just told them that they had just done another test and there is no sign of brain bleeds on either side of his brain. And there have been so many miracles, daily miracles. It's such a roller coaster. But listen, we come together to do what we just did. Lift up. We're not, we're not, when we're clapping, we're not clapping, yay, the doctors did something. Glad for doctors. But there's nothing they can do about that. We're clapping, why? Because we know God is on the move. We know God still heals. We know God still delivers. We know God still sets free. So when we come together and we worship, we're not, remember, we're not the audience. God's the audience. So when we come together, we're just coming together to go, hey, God, we saw what you did this week, and it was good. Matter of fact, let's just stop right now and just tell him how much we love him. We come together on the weekends to worship and pray. That's what we come together for, worship and pray. We got needs. We got things that we need. And we can pray about these things daily. But we also come together because the Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. And where two or three agree is touching any one thing, it shall be done for them. He's telling us that there's power in agreement. There's power in the body of Christ getting together and saying, I believe with you. Do you believe with me? And let's go to the Father and say, God, we believe your word and we stand on your word. And so we worship and we pray we honor God in a group not just personally we should be doing it every day but when we come together it's a special thing when the anointing of God is God is worshiped in that situation and setting where everybody is together but then the third thing we do when we come here is we get equipped for the work of the ministry in other words it's like putting on your pads 
You're getting the football helmet on. You're getting the pads on your shoulders. You're getting the pads in your pants. You're getting ready to go out on that field and take the field for Jesus. You're, you're ready to go out there and take the blows. And, and, and listen, I just want to encourage you. It's important for you to understand when you come here on the weekends. That's why, that's why it's important for you to be here. That's why it's important for you to be consistent. That's why it's, it's important for you not to put God on the back burner and everything else comes first and then you come to God because you're missing out on an opportunity to be equipped to do what he called you to do. We think in many times from a church perspective, we think from the one to the many, not from the many to the one. In, I mean, the opposite of that. We think from the many to the one instead of from the one to the many. And God is telling us to change that. We need to think about relational moments, not organizational events. Connect means connect with God, connect with each other. It's all about relationship. And as we continue to have a more disconnected society, they are looking. Did you know I read a research study this week that said loneliness, loneliness is at an all-time high. How can that be true? With all the connection opportunities there are digitally in the world and all the busy things and activities that are going on, how can it be that loneliness is at an epidemic proportion? How can it be? It's because the things that we're doing to connect are, are not filling our soul because they're not real. They're, they're fake. They're phony. They're inauthentic. So we as the church have this opportunity to say to the world, look, we're here. We want to have relationship with you. We want to love you. We want to care for you. And when you feel so alone and you feel so absent of any kind of care for your life, you need to know that there is somebody who loves you. There is somebody who cares for you. There is somebody who wants to have relationship with you. We've already started this with our staff and some of our leaders. And, and in a year and a half or two years, we want to be at we want this to be such a part of the culture of Summit Church that every single person who goes here is discipling someone else. Spending time with someone else in a relational context on a regular basis, edifying them in their faith. In order to do this, everyone has to realize what Jesus has asked us to do. Well, aren't we? We're the church and we're helping people and we're caring for people. No, we... Let's be honest. Yes, we're doing the best that we know how and the best revelation we have. But here's the truth. The truth is we've tried to reinvent what Jesus told us to do. We've tried to reinvent it, and we've reinvented it in this way. Everybody come to us. <laughs> it's getting quiet in this non-denominational church this morning. Let's be as attractive as we can so that the world will look at us and say, hey, they're just as good as other things in the world, so let's go to them because it's exciting to be a part of them. And we've gotten mixed up and we've, we've gotten to this place where we're trying to attract people to like us instead of trying to meet with people to, so they will meet Jesus. Look, this ain't a popularity contest. Jesus told us, look, they don't like me, they're not going to like you. As a group, as society, they don't like us. Why? Because we're not from here, y'all. Hey, I, when I first came to Texas, I'm going to tell you, I experienced that business. Oh, he's from Oklahoma.
And now I treat people from Oklahoma like that. <laughs> Janae came home one day. She was at school. She said, David, you're not going to believe this. She said, they make fun of people from Oklahoma like we make people from fun of people from Arkansas. I said, well, they're not wrong. <laughs> no. Listen, when you're, when you're not from a place, you're not part of the group. And we, as the church of Jesus Christ, have to stop trying to be part of the group. And we have to start shining a light into the darkness of the other groups out there so that they can come to a relationship with Jesus. And we do that by having relationship with people and trying to win them for the Lord. Not just having relationship for relationship's sake, but actually trying to bring them to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Actually uh, with one another, edifying one another, discipling one another, connecting with one another. I'm right now personally, individually discipling about 10 to 12 guys. Some of them are outside the church. Some of them are inside the church. Some of them have moved from outside the church to inside the church. Why? Because this is what God called us to do. As our world becomes more and more disconnected, we must move in the opposite direction and offer relationship and connection. And, and we'll have to unlearn some things. We'll have to unlearn the way we've always done things. We'll have to relearn some things. And we'll have to learn some things for the very first time. We're going to have to see the world and its realities through a biblical and Christ-centered lens. We have to stop looking at the world from our own perspective and start looking at the world through the eyes of Jesus. The person who died for the world. Matthew 28, let's read it again, 18 through 20 in the next two minutes. We'll finish this message right. Uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I think I find it interesting when he, he has now, he's been crucified. He, he, he's been crucified and, and he went to the grave because he died. Don't believe that nonsense that he didn't really die. He was in some kind of comatose state. Yeah, right. He really died. And they took him down off that cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. And if you go look at any religious leader's grave anywhere in the world throughout history right now, you will find a body of that religious leader. But you go look at Jesus' grave, you're not going to find a body. And it won't be because his disciples stole it. It was because he not only ascended, but he also descended. And he took captivity captive, and he set the captives free. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then God said, because of what you've done, I place all authority in heaven and on earth. Stop letting the devil beat you around the ears. Stop letting him have any place in your life. Stop letting him fill you full of doubt and fear. Stop letting him attack your family because you have authority in the name of Jesus. And all authority has been given to him. Any demonic influence in this world is overstepping its boundaries. And we need to push them back behind the line. We are the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail Amen. against us. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the very next word he says, therefore. In other words, the reason for is so that you will, everyone say it with me, go. But we keep saying to the world, Come. Oh, this is good stuff. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just, want to just, I just want to draw one distinction in the next 15 seconds. I want to draw one distinction here, and then we're going to, I'm going to close and we're going to move on to the next part of the service, and then we'll, I'll let you go because I'm going to be teaching this for some time. I want to just teach the whole thing to you. I have four steps. You can look in the notes. There are four steps up, but I'm not going to get there, so I'm not even going to try. I really, really want to try, but I'm not going to. But he says, go. And he tells them not just to go, but he says, go to all nations. That word nations there means ethnos. It doesn't just mean national entities. It means ethnos. In other words, every other, he was talking to Jews, every other ethnicity. Make disciples of all all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we have to lose this mentality that, oh, we don't, we just, we just live for the Lord and He saved us, and whatever He wants, that's what we do. And I mean, what, whatever we want, that's what He does. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm really just kind of screwed up, messed up, and, and, and I hope God lets me in. I'm, I hope His grace covers me. That, that's, not, that's not this. That's not what the Bible is talking about. That's not what the disciple is. A disciple is a person who's victorious in their faith. They know God has forgiven them. They're maturing. They're growing in their faith towards God. They're taking on the enemy. They're taking on the world. And they're believing and obeying the word of the Lord. It's also about obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, keep, keep my commandments. In other words, it's like you saying to your kid, hey, do you love me? Then do what I said. I read a teaching this week that said the Bible uses the word obey in English in the Old Testament. But it, it, it really, if you look at the Hebrew word for obey in the Old Testament, it is the word for hear. Hear. This is why James said we have to be more than hearers of the word. We have to do doers of the word in the New Testament. Because the word for hear in the Old Testament connotes both meanings. Hear and obey. So every time God says Hear me. It's like you saying to your kids, did you not hear me? Are y'all with me? <laughs> this is good stuff. So he told us to go. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and this is what I'll close with. He said, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now, I just want you to know, and we're, next time we come together, uh, we'll talk about the four steps up the mountain towards discipleship. But I want you to notice this one fact. Discipleship is up. Jesus was just about to teach the Sermon on the Mount. Now, any of you guys who have been to Israel, you know exactly where all this happened and, and what was going on there. But if you'll really study out the scripture, we get this image in our mind because we've seen it in movies and things of that nature, that when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, which is probably known in literary, uh, in literary company that, man, it was the greatest sermon ever. When he taught the Sermon on the Mount, he was not speaking to crowds. He was speaking to 12 people. Now, there may have been some men that came along with him, women that came along with him, but for the most part, it was just his, as, as they were known at that point, disciples and the Bible says that before he began to teach this 
he walked up the mountain. A leader always has to walk up first. A leader always has to walk up first because they can't see where they're going and where they're leading people to go unless they go first. That's what leadership means. And that's what Jesus did. He walked up the mountain and he sat down. And then it says his disciples came up the mountain to him. And he began to teach. And he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And so here's the challenge that I want you to embrace. Jesus' way of doing ministry does not need to be modernized. And it does not need to be improved upon. And it does not need to be complicated. Jesus' way of ministry was relational, teaching, life doing life together, being connected, being in each other's lives, being vulnerable, making decisions that would affect and empower accountability. It was, a, it was literally just this relational context where we do life together and I teach you the truths of righteousness and the truths of grace and the truths of the sanctification and truths of salvation and the truths of my return and the truths of water baptism and the truths of being filled with the Spirit and the truth. Jesus just spent three and a half years with basically 12 people People. Now listen, he, he preached to thousands, but the time that he spent most, he spent with 12 people, 12, and he spoke into their life for three and a half years so that when he would left, I don't know if you realize this or not. I don't really, if you grab it, I don't know if you really get it, but when he left and ascended to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit, 12 guys changed the whole entire world your setting listen to me your setting in your chair right now hearing the word of the Lord printed in this book right here in the United States of America in Canyon, Texas in May of 2023 because, because the disciples did what Jesus asked them to do and he said go and they So we're going to shift it. We're going to shift it. And we're going to bring it back. God told me at the end of last year, he said, I want to do some new things. But we're going to do it in an old way. How many of y'all realize that sometimes the old way still works? Now, well, hold on. Before you get too excited, that ain't talking about hymns. I ain't talking about going back to old church. Y'all are thinking, well, oh, let's go back and be just, you know, like traditional. No, I'm talking about way back. Where it wasn't traditional at all. Where they were, they were new as new could be. They were challenging. Now, I'm not, nothing wrong with tradition. There's some good things about tradition. But let's not get mixed up. We don't want to go in reverse towards religion. We want to go forward, but it, by doing it in reverse towards relationship. Godly, holy, anointed information from the Word of God being exchanged from believer to believer and from believer to unbeliever so that people's lives are changed and families are restored and marriages are healed and people are saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and heaven is filled and hell is emptied. That is 
is what he called us to do. And that, my God, is what we are going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's not forget that Jesus said he would leave the 100. Or he'd leave the 99 to go get one. So my challenge to us in the next year, oh, some exciting things. We're already seeing so many exciting things happen in these relational contexts. But I'm telling you, my goal is in the next year and a half to two years that everybody who calls Summit Church home is discipling somebody. And when that culture is created, we won't be able to keep the baptismal. We won't, be, we won't have to take water out of it. We'll just have to, we'll have to exchange the water. We won't even have to take it down because we'll just be using it all the time. You know what I believe? Salvations aren't going to happen as much here around this altar as they are going to be happening in coffee shops and in your house and in your neighborhoods and with your friends because your life has become Jesus. And I want to say to you graduates, and Sydney, if you'll join me and Amanda, I want to say to you graduates today, listen to me. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. You can do it if you want to. You don't have to worry about it if you don't want to, however you feel. But listen to me. Moms are like, yes, I earned this. You will be wearing that on Sunday. <laughs> Sorry about that, moms. <laughs> I stepped in it. Listen to me, though. Look at me. Sam, look at me. Derek, listen. If I could give you any advice, and I can because I have the mic. Don't put a pause in it. Don't put it on hold. God's given you and graced you with such great surroundings and relationships. Just carry it on. Because anything you're going to try to search for outside of Him, I promise you, it's not worth it. And I don't assume that you would do that. But I know the, I know the, I know the world you live in. I understand it. I get it. And you guys are being hit and bombarded with ideas and thoughts and feelings that, that, to be honest, we never experienced at your age. But I know this. I lived for the world for quite some time. And I'd never trade it. I'd never trade it. So I'm just encouraging you. Stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Father, we thank you today. Forgive us where we've played church. Forgive us where we've <clears throat> thought everything was in a song or everything was in a message or everything was just about a routine. Forgive us when we've held on held our tongue when we knew you were dealing with us to talk to somebody about you. Forgive us when we were playing church. Forgive us when we were being religious. And God, we ask you to empower us to be your disciples. To literally live you out. To live your word out. To live your will out. 
to live your ways out. We give you praise and we give you glory and we commit ourselves to this. As the pastor of this house, I commit myself to this and I commit to train, develop, preach, encourage, pray for this house to take on the spirit of discipleship and that we don't treat it as a program. We treat it as an organic lifestyle where we live out the life that Jesus intended us for to live out and we brought others with us. God, in Jesus' name we pray. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.